I haven't. I've been. I worked 50 hours this week, so I'm, I, I haven't had a chance to even like breathe and go to sleep. And yep. Get up and that's it. I remember those days. I yes. don't have to do them much anymore. Yes. Do remember Lynn Welch and her father. Her yes. dad's not doing well, so remember her in your prayers. Her friend passed away. Her friend passed away. Is there any other requests, though, we need to take to the uh, Lord? I don't yes. know if I told this one before you left, but uh, prayer for the Davis family. Uh, my friend, my lady friend, the older lady that told you all about, Miss Grace, her granddaughter passed away. Wow. She was only 33 years old. Awful young. She uh, was a CNA. She wasn't married or she didn't have any children, but she has a, she had a lot of health issues going on with her. And they laid her to rest uh, on the 12th of April, so this past week. So Let's remember, remember this family. Yeah, and the Loggins family, a lady friend of mine that I used to go to church with, her name is Gwen Loggins. She passed away. She was 92. Mm. So, but, and, but she was a wonderful woman of God. I mean, she did everything. I mean, she worked for the school system. She worked with the Meals on Wheels. She done like shut-in, a lot of shut-in work. And um, she was just a wonderful woman of God. And I know where she is. Yes. I know where she is. So. That's the important thing. Yes. Any others? The usual. Yes, definitely. Getting uh, very interesting. I say that every every Sunday, but it's getting, getting it's getting more and more interesting every day. Nina Jeremiah was talking about that this morning on the TV. Uh, it is. These are the best of times and also the worst, worst of times. times. These are exciting times if you're a Christian, and they should be scary times if you're not a Christian. I read earlier. Uh, in the week, or no, I'm sorry, it was last weekend when I was away. Russia is now saying that the Cold War is definitely through with America, but the hot war is beginning. The Cold War is over with America, but the hot conflict is beginning. And it is going to get hotter. It's heating up. With Finland joining NATO recently, and that was a line that Putin didn't want anyone to cross, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Um, it's exciting times. Who, who's joining NATO? Finland joined. Oh, Finland just joined. Finland just joined NATO. Oh, boy. And that was one he did not want. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life. And we ask, Lord, that you'll move and that you'll touch, that you'll continue to bless, Lord. Lord, in spite of what's going on in the world, that you will give us comfort, that you will give us peace. God, that you'll touch these needs, Lord, that you'll touch the bereaved. Lord, that you'll touch those that are sick. We know, Lord, that you can heal miraculously. We know that you can reach down and touch, Lord, but we also know that you can... Reach down and touch, Lord, through the doctors and through the medicines. Lord, we ask that you'll move and touch, Lord, that you'll anoint my lips as I endeavor to bring forth your message. And, Lord, that you'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are in Habakkuk chapter 2, starting with verse 5 this morning. 
Yea, also, because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man. Neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied, but garnereth, or gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Babylonians loved their wine. They liked to party and carry on while drinking. They would often get drunk before a war. They get drunk during the war. They get drunk after the war. The Babylonians like to get drunk. That's historically documented. They love to party. Daniel chapter 5 tells us that there had been a party going on for quite a while. When Belteshazzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, was drinking, and the hand appeared and wrote, Mene, Mene, Kakalup, Sharshan. The Babylonians are also known for their pride, arrogance, and greed. Oh, if you had it and they wanted it, they was going to take it no matter what. Because he transgresseth by wine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with drinking wine, but when you climb in the bottle and you do not climb out, there's a problem. He is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell. Oftentimes you'll hear older people talk about, especially in the mountains, when they hear of an earthquake. Well, hell just enlarged itself. Hell just enlarged itself. Well, Babylon wanted to enlarge itself, no matter what the cost. And it was going to do whatever it took to become the biggest and the baddest. The trouble with becoming the biggest, it's hard to manage. And it's hard to control. One of the reasons why Rome was having so much trouble towards the end of their empire and Britain towards the end of their empire. And of course, Britain still got an empire, but it's no longer as big as it once was. It was hard to control, especially if you had a weak leader. Rome didn't know what was happening. They even tried to split it into east and west towards the end. Well, there's an East Rome or an Eastern uh, Roman region and an empire, and there's a Western Roman Empire, and we'll get together ever so often, we'll discuss things, we'll lead it cooperatively, we'll do all this stuff. Well, East fell, West didn't, because West didn't show up when they're supposed to. That's debatable, we won't get into all of that, but it's hard to manage. Babylon got so large, it was hard to manage. And then they put weak leaders in. And when the enemy sees that you have a weak leader, they exploit that weakness. And it's been happening from day one all the way up to current days. We see when the countries have weak leadership, the enemies will exploit that. When we have strong leadership or when a country has a strong leader, the enemy doesn't try to exploit it as much. Now, Germany was the exception. They tried to exploit the weakness that they perceived that Winston Churchill had. They were sadly mistaken. Winston Churchill was a very strong leader. Thank God. Yeah. If it hadn't have been for Winston Churchill, Britain might have capitulated. Very possible that they would have. Look at what happened to France. With the people... Look at what happened to France. They capitulated. Now, they still had the resistant movement and stuff, yes, 
But the entire nation's government went, oh, well, we give up. Sorry. Britain never did lay down. And no matter what Germany threw at Britain, they continued to throw it back. They did not give up. Now, it helped a lot when America got into the war, yes. But Britain was taking a beating before we got into the war, and they were still fighting back. Ukraine. Whether you believe in the Ukrainian war or not, that's not the point. The point is, they didn't roll over when Russia rolled in. They fought back. And there's been lots of pictures and videos of their president wearing... The, you, the military now calls it battle rattle. He's wearing the flak jackets, and he's wearing the armor plate, and he's out there shooting the guns, and he's fighting, and he's leading from the front. Whether you think that uh, Ukraine should be taken over or not, you have to somewhat admire President Zelensky for his stand that he's taken against a much bigger military force than he is. He is... He knows the importance. He knows that if he rolls over, that his country is going to be taken over. And he's not going to do that. He's going to go down with a fight. He may not go down, but if he goes down, he's going down with a fight. I mean, he's the one that told, uh, I forget which nation it was. I don't need, they told him, said, I will come in and get you. He said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. And he was out on the front lines fighting. So you got to admire men and women like that. But when you have strong leadership, the the enemies don't normally, Russia and Germany being an exception to those rules, they don't normally exploit that strong or try to exploit. Babylon was really good about exploiting the weaknesses of their enemies. They would surround a, an enemy and they would watch them for a long time before they ever decided their mode of attack. And when they attacked, they attacked with everything they had. They would pull forces from other areas just so that their full military force would be against who they were fighting against. They was really good about fighting wars. But they were also good about getting drunk. The Babylonians are also known for their pride, arrogance, and greed. They constantly looked for someone or something to overthrow and something to take using force if needed. Just as hell and the grave are described as greedy and never being satisfied, Babylonians were never satisfied. They constantly wanted to overthrow something. That was in their nature, if you will. We see that throughout the history Rome was, at the start, a lot like that. Towards the end, they started making concessions. And they started, oh, doing some compromises. And it weakened them and weakened them and weakened them until Rome fell apart as a collective body. Okay, The Rome ideas, as I've said multiple times, the Rome ideas are still out there. We still live by them. But as a whole, Rome kind of fell apart. One of the things that Rome did towards the end was they they weakened their family union. 
they were they at one time had the strongest anti-divorce laws in the world. You really didn't get a divorce in Rome. You had to almost go all the way up to the emperor. And depending on who you were, you did have to go up to the emperor to be granted a divorce in Rome. Well, they started loosening up that. And, oh, it was anything goes towards the end. They weakened their family unit. Babylon, I'm, I'm not going to say they weakened their family unit, but I'm not real sure Babylon ever really had a strong family unit to begin with. It was pretty much anything goes in the Babylonian culture. Verse 6, Shall not all these take up a parable against him and a taunting proverb against him and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his? How long? And to him that ladeth himself with thick clay. The nations that had been overthrown by Babylon would at the time of the prophecy being fulfilled, they would sing a taunt or an insult song towards Babylon. Those that had fallen by Babylon's military would now get to witness the fall of Babylon. All nations fall. You can't stay the top of the pyramid forever. All nations fall. So like, we're doing a good job. Oh, we are. Companies go bankrupt. Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, stood and sent out an email, stood in front of a crowd of Amazon people and sent out an email to those that couldn't make it. Amazon will go bankrupt. Eventually, it is my job and your job to prevent it from happening for as long as we can possibly do that. All companies go bankrupt or go away. We was just talking about some restaurants. We never thought we'd see go away. They're gone. Whoever thought Sears and Roebuck would disappear? Oh, yeah, that's a J.C. Penney. J.C. Montgomery Ward, if you want to go back even further. Woolworths. Woolworths. <laughs> Whoever thought these companies would disappear? They're gone. I mean, at Sears, you could buy a house. You could buy a car. Where are they? Gone. Countries fall apart. Babylon. Medes and Persians, Rome, Britain, America, Russia, USSR, I'll say it that way. Even though they've got a madman right now trying to put them back together, USSR fell apart. China's fallen apart multiple times over the years. Well, they're trying to be big bad wolf now. <laughs> and they will be. Oh, yeah. Those that have fallen by Babylon's military would now get to witness the fall of Babylon. Babylon became rich from the spoils of the wars that he had fought and won. Another way Babylon became rich was to loan money to individuals and charge a very high exorbitant interest rate on the loaned money. Babylon was a loan shark. And a lot of people paid tribute to Babylon. 
ladeth himself with thick clay. In the scripture it says, And to him that ladeth himself with thick clay. Means that Babylon was loaning people money, also taking in goods in what we would know as a pawn Mm -hmm. shop, but charging a lot to get the item back or to sell the item. Now the following verses make up the taunt or the song for the enemies on those countries that have fallen to Babylon. The next several verses are that song. Shall they not rise up suddenly, verse 7, that shall bite thee, and awake that shall vex thee, and thou shalt be for booties unto them. Those that owe Babylon money will revolt and will, in fact, attack Babylon. And we see that happening. Mm -hmm. They join forces with the Medes and the Persians. The country attacking perceives they can get richer or more powerful, they overthrow other countries. And in fact, they do. They do get the spoils of the war. Germany wanted to put the old empire back together as well. He thought that Germany had been done dirty after World War I. And I'll be honest with you, they had been done dirty after World War I. But he decided he's going to put, like I like to say with Putin, he wanted to put the old band back together. All of the land that used to be under that empire, and we're not talking about a recent empire, we're talking about multiple generations back empire, he wanted to bring back under the Aryan fold, if you will. That's what Russia is attempting to do now. He wants the USSR back together. So he's looking at all of the countries that used to be behind the Iron Curtain. And he's threatening and he's trying to overthrow some of them. They're fighting back. America left England because we didn't like the government. We didn't like the religious persecution and the prosecution. We didn't like the religious opposition and oppression. So we left England. We came to the United States to set up what we believe to be a utopian society based on God and the Bible. How's that working out for us? Up until just a generation or two ago, worked out well for us. But it was it's somewhat disappointing to see the way America is going now. I am not going to even say somewhat. It is disappointing to see what America is doing now. We've allowed everything in the world to come into this nation. Anything goes. Anything goes. And eventually it's going to get to the point where Christianity is going to have to go underground to survive. In this nation, we're seeing the signs. We're seeing the signs. The country attacking perceives that they can get richer, or the people inside the country perceive that they can get richer by attacking others in the country. They, I'm not going to get into political ideology, but those that are so radical on either end of the spectrum 
believes that if they can move the sinner towards them, they get the upper hand. And they do get the upper hand if they can literally move the center in either direction to the left or to the right. I'm not going to say the extreme left or the extreme right, but there's extremes on both ends of the spectrum. And we have to be really, really careful who we listen to and who we follow. Patriotism, just to be patriot, is not good. Now, being a patriot is a good thing, but being a patriot does not mean that everybody else is wrong. We have got to learn to stop and listen to the other side. And that's the only, I'm not saying compromise our Christian beliefs. And I'm not saying you have to listen to the atheist and the evolutionist. But I'm here to tell you that we have to be willing to stop and listen to people and not get into this name calling stuff and actually communicate with people or we're not going to withstand the onslaught. The ones that are in debt to Babylon will refuse to pay the exorbitant fees and not only quit paying altogether and they will physically revolt. Now America owns owes a lot of money but there is a lot of money that is owed to America. What would happen if we decided to call in our debt to all of these little nations that owes us cash and we was to put, as they say, the thumb screws on them and we would beat it out of them or we'd threaten to take it away from them what would happen to our nation? We would be no different than the, the slave that went into the Pharaoh who owed the Pharaoh a lot of money and he was forgiven that debt. But he turned around and went out and beat the individual that owed him money. We'd be no different. What happened to that slave was he got imprisoned until his debt could be paid off. The, the Pharaoh took back the forgiveness threw him in debtor's prison. We would be no different. Babylon was no different. They wanted other people to pay them, but they didn't want to pay. And you have to you have to keep up your debts. They went after those countries that owed them a lot of money and they beat it out of them and they took it physically from them. And eventually the people got tired of being oppressed and they decided that they would rise up and do something about it. So that when the Medes and the Persians came in, they joined forces with the Medes and the Persians to overthrow Babylon. And in the after effect of the battle, of the revolt, Babylon would be extorted and made to pay exorbitant fees. Now they are the oppressed, now they are the ones that are captive. Now they are the ones that other people are living in their palaces, in their nice homes. They are the ones that are now not getting to eat of the fruits of their labor, but they're having to watch the enemy do it. Not a good place to be.
Verse 8. Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. Because of men's blood and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein, Babylon destroyed many, many nations. They spoiled many nations. Babylon would not only be spoiled by the Medes and the Persians, but the remnant was left of the nations that had been conquered. The nations would pay Babylon back for all the blood that Babylon spilled in wars and in the enemy city. Now they are completely surrounded by their enemies. And their enemies are not just the Medes and the Persians, but their enemies are their neighbors and their former slaves and their former servants and those people of other nations and other nationalities that have been overthrown by Babylon and been mistreated by Babylon. Now, Babylon is sitting in the hot seat. And they don't know what to do. They have no clue. They've never been here before. I was told by a military man that the reason why the English salute with their palms up like they do is that they were defeated in war. We salute with our hands, our palms down, because we've never been defeated in war. Vietnam and Korea does not count. This is never declared as war. Vietnam was never declared a war. It was a police action. It was a war, guys. It was very oh, it much was a war, a war. <laughs> but it was declared. <laughs> it was declared as a police action. Korea's war is still going on. It has never been officially closed. So when is this way? That means they've been defeated. Yes, that's what I have always been told. And guess who defeated the British? America. We're the ones, with France's help, we are the ones that defeated Britain. Well, boy, there's now a correlation with what you just said. About, you just said now Babylon is surrounded by their enemies. Are we any different right now? No. no we are surrounded by our enemies. So, and also they're within our boundaries. Now. Yes. They're here. They're here. That's what I tell the people. We, we, we have them right here. Mm-hmm. And we've allowed them to come in. We've allowed it. We've opened our boundaries. Because we are arrogant. That's right. We are conceited. We are pompous. It'll never happen in our country. It's been happening for a while. It's only going to get worse. Can I ask you a silly question? Sure. Babylon. Is that now Syria? It is. Assyria is where Babylon used to be. But also, Iraq is where Babylon used to be. Iraq is in there, too. So yes. Babylon was huge. Babylon was huge. So when you look at the Bible, you know how it had maps of Syria? Mm-hmm. So it was part of Syria and Iraq. Yes. Babylon. Yes. So they owned a lot of territories. They owned a lot of territories. We don't look at our land, how much we... Babylon was south. If you want an idea of where the actual city capital of the Babylonian Empire was, it's south of Baghdad. Wait, wait, say that one more time. 
the capital city of the Babylonian Empire is south of what we call Baghdad. And that's in Iraq. And that's in Iraq. Saddam Hussein, when he was in power, started rebuilding the capital city of Babylon. He wanted to set himself up as the Babylonian emperor. Yeah. He ran out of money or he would have completed the capital city. Some of the buildings were rebuilt. This is all biblical prophecy. Coming to fruition. And, uh, and Jerusalem and Israel is right in the center. Yes. And we're not surprised. And that's what David Jeremiah was saying today because uh, in Deuteronomy, I have to look at a five different places where that's God's city. Mm-hmm. That's where Jesus, when he comes back, mm-hmm. he's setting up his kingdom. Yes. That's where New Jerusalem is sitting down, is right there on the center of Jerusalem as we know it. So that's why, in, in some ways, I don't want to. I, I share with my children not to live in fear. We shouldn't live in fear. Just keep your, your attention where it belongs on Christ and stay in the Word and stay in His promises. And I don't think as Christians, we need to hone in on that. Because that's been another thing. I, I remember the Bible study on armor of God mm-hmm. years ago. I didn't do it. Someone else did it. But I was listening. That is our armor. Yes. This is our, this is our warrior armor. Ephesians, right Ephesians tells us all about the armor of God. I know. He tells us to put it on. But nowhere does he tell us to take it off. I know men and women that pray and they, they, they call it the prayer of the armor of God and they put it physically, they put the helmet on and they do all of it. You shouldn't take it ever off. It should always be there. So every morning when these people get up and they're putting on their breastplate and they're putting on their helmet and they're putting on their shoes and they're putting on their loincloth, why did you take it off the night before? Took their stuff off. They slept in it. They slept in it most so of the time. The only yeah, time that they, on. if they were in battle, the only time that they would take their armor off, they would take the piece off that was damaged to repair it. They left the rest of it on because armor comes off, comes off in pieces. They would take the piece off that was damaged. They would repair the damaged piece. They would put it right back on. They were constantly ready for battle. Now, in peacetime, or when they were in their walled cities behind their walled fences and barricaded uh, posts, they would take their armor off at that point, but their weapons was never very far away. Now, if you, if you like literature and you ever read any of, you know, Lancelot and, you know, King mm-hmm. Arthur and Guinevere, all of those, You'll see that when the king realized that his queen and his favorite knight was having an affair, he put his sword between the two of them, and he walked away. He put Excalibur, stuck it in the ground between the two of them. And when they woke up, Lancelot said, 
A king without a sword is a country without a leader. Where's our sword at? Have we put it on the bookshelf? Our sword is our Bible. That's what the Bible is. It's our sword. It's a defensive and it's an offensive weapon. We can defend with it and we can also fight with it. Where is our sword at? It's the most sold book in the world. It is also the most stolen book in the world. Where is our sword at? Where is our scriptures? And we don't have to physically carry it around with us. But is it in our heart? Is it in our brain? Is it where we can actually come back to it and say, the Lord said in situations? I think that as a Christian, as we are there today mm-hmm. to no longer be silent. We can't be. We can't be. And, and we can speak in love and we can speak in, in mercy and grace, but from the scripture. And that's why I think we're being attacked. Yes. Because... Um, well, the people that are anti-God, anti-the Word, anti-the Bible, boy, look at the force they're coming at us with. Like but the thing is, it is also the least read book in the world. Exactly. If we don't read it, then when they attack, we have nothing to fight back with. Nope. I'm not going to walk out without shoes on in the middle of a fire anthill that would be stupid it'd be stupid to walk out and knowingly walk out into a fire anthill even with shoes on but I'm definitely not going to knowingly do it barefooted but that's what we are literally doing and figuratively doing by not studying, not reading not taking in the word we are walking out into the enemy's camp going hey here I am defenseless And they're attacking because they can make science. They can make evolution. They can make all of that sound so good. They will indoctrinate your children and my children and my grandchildren if I allow it. I listen to some of the conversations that my grandchildren, especially my 16-year-old, I listen to his conversations and he comes up with and he asks me questions and he asks some really good, hard questions. But I have to wonder, where is he getting this information to ask the questions? He's getting it from the indoctrination from school and society in general. The culture that we live in. We are so in tune with what's going on with our phones, that we're not in tune with what's going on in our families. Walk into a restaurant. Look at how many people are sitting there on their stinking phones instead of communicating with that individual that's sitting across the table from them. Go into anyone's house. What's prominent? Big screen TVs? And I've got a big screen TV. Yes, and I rarely ever turn I turned it on yesterday waiting on my son to call me. I was all by myself. That was the first time I think I've turned on the TV when I was all alone in months. I have to think sometimes, I have to get somebody to help me figure out how to turn the TV on. I don't do it often enough. 
But where is society at? We are so ingrained and in tune with what's going on on our phones and social media. It's not sad. Allowed to speak anything that could insult or offend someone, but they have to be silent. I had a. And how do? What do we say? I had that happen to me this past week. Someone at a university. She, she said, um, "I'm not allowed. If I, I lose my job, if I say something other than what they're saying about training and all the stuff we hear today." Is your and job said, worth it? So what I said to her, and I, I, I don't know if I said it, I said, and I know her fairly well, she's a young girl, and I said, you know, I said, I think it's time in this country, we still have the First Amendment, we still have freedom of speech, and I said, it's okay to speak what we know to be right. And I said, if God says we created man, we created woman. It's okay for me to say that's what God says. And I said, we can say it in a tone of voice. Quietly, she said, if I say that, she said, I'll lose my job. But is your job worth it? I mean, seriously, we get to the point where I would hate to lose my job with Duke. I would. But is my job with Duke worth it? They've told me to put my Bible in. They've told me to put my Bible in my desk. They won't let you have your Bible out on the desk. Well, I don't get to have anything on my desk right now because I don't have a desk. But back when I had a desk, they have told me to put my Bible in my desk. So what I did was I moved it to a more prominent position. Did you? So what did you just say? Yeah. We had a, at the place where I was sitting, we had a a wall in front of us, in front of our desk. And it had a, a thing where you could set your phone up on it. And it, your phone would be elevated so you could always get to it quick. Took my phone off that platform. I put my Bible up on it. I told you to put that up. You can't say anything if I'm not, if I'm reading it on company time, then you can stop me. But you can't stop me if I'm not reading it on company time. And he, they just looked at me and went, bye. The thing with the First Amendment. And we'll shut up with this. And the freedom of speech. You really don't have freedom of speech. And I can prove it. Go into a crowded building and yell fire. And then go to the courtroom when they arrest you for inciting a riot. And tell the judge that it was your freedom of speech that allowed you to yell fire. And he's going to throw the book at you. The freedom of speech is not what we want to say, it's what we should say, and when we should say it. There's a time and a place for everything. And it may not be the time nor the place to say it. But definitely pray about it and seek God's opinion. When I said that to that young girl, and, and I said, well, I said, if you look at our history, I said, right now I'm reading a, a book, another book on World War II during Nazi regime, and I said during Germany's invasion, that was, it was before they invaded, but they were already eliminating people's ability to speak their yeah. You couldn't ask questions. Yeah. You had to be quiet, and you had to be submissive in your words and not speak. It much. doesn't. It doesn't start with a snowball rolling. It starts as a small snowflake. And that's why we're already at war. 
Yes. We are already in war, and yeah, uh, but I didn't, I didn't say it like that. Today. I was trying to, you know what, it's hard to keep your phone down, just speak, and put something in there to help them listen to what's, I'm not so sure these young people are getting history. They're not. They're not getting true history. They're getting a history, but it's being rewritten. They're not getting true history. And, and then another thing I said to her, I said, have you have ever met and sat with a person who was part of the Holocaust? And she looked at me and she said, no. I said, I have. I said, I, I, I had patients who were part of the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. I, I said, I have a friend that's grandparents had to move the force out of their farmhouse from, from Germany attack. Over, over, they were forced out by the Russians in Germany. And I said, look, if you ever sit down and talk, listen to them, or if they're able to even talk, period, you will see the oppression yes. and where they are right now. We are at the beginning cusp of what Germany is in that part of facing. We see it. You see it. We mm -hmm. all had history. But they're not teaching us. Or they're not hearing Right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Wrap this up for today. We will be back next Sunday. We will take back up with verse um, 8 because I think we've still got a lot to cover in verse 8. Yeah. Any other prayer requests before we go to the Lord? Barbara Evans is watching. She asked for her son, Gene. So we'll definitely be praying for Gene. And Sister Evans, it was a, it was my blessing to see you last week. I do, I was looking forward to seeing you. She was actually at sunrise service where I was at, and it was it was such a great blessing to be with her again in a church service, in person. It was she's a tremendous lady, and she is just a tremendous Christian. Any other prayer requests? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise, and to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch, that you'll, Lord, that you'll allow each and every one of us to have an opportunity this coming week, Lord, to spread your message, to spread your kingdom. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch and that you'll give us wisdom, Lord, to do this in, in a godly way. We ask, Lord, that you'll touch Jean. Lord, we ask that you'll touch Liam Welch, Lord, and her family members, Lord. We ask this in... Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, we know that you can touch, we know that you can heal. We ask, Lord, that you'll move on the messenger, give him the message you'd wish him to have, Lord. Bless our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, Lord. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen.